This morning's message, we are in Matthew 17. We're going to start in verse 1, and this is talking about the transfiguration. It says, And after six days, Jesus took him, took with him Peter and James and John his brother, and led them up, uh, up a mountain themselves. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to be with them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here with you. He's already missing the point. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when behold. I love reading behold in the Bible because I feel like it's God going, bam, hush. Behold. A bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So in other words, God's saying, Okay, now shut up, Peter, just, just for a minute. This isn't about human stuff. I need you to pay attention. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. There's comfort he's bringing. And when they lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus said to them, Tell no one of this vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. We call on the mighty name of Yahweh. We know that you can open our hearts to receive your word with clarity and understanding through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. God, that's what we're asking for today. Whatever it is you need us to get from this message, God, just make it so obvious, so clear, as if you're saying, Behold, let it be so. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your risen Son. Amen. Amen. We haven't even got to Lent yet. You're probably wondering, why is she doing this scripture already? I believe there's something very important in this scripture that we need to understand and pay attention to as we head into Lent. Because I believe we're no different from the disciples. I read and I'm like, yeah. I can see where there's situations. I am Peter. Oh, this is great. Let me do this. Let me do this. And sometimes Jesus is saying, just shut up and sit down. Quit getting so consumed. But I do that. So let me get your brains thinking here just for a minute. So we're on the same path here. There have been some great revelations in movies. I'm usually one that I can start watching a movie and not even halfway through, I can like, oh, this, 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 this is how it's going to play out. Because they follow the same theme. For the most part, they are. But there's been some great revelations. Could you imagine if they revealed in the movie that Batman and Bruce Wayne were the same guy to all of community? Wouldn't be no need for another one. We're done. One and done. What about Clark Kent? What if someone saw him turn into Superman? Secret will be out. Imagine if someone saw Clark Kent turning into Superman and how their reaction would be to the stuff he was doing. 
wouldn't be extraordinary then. Perhaps, now I'll, I'll be honest, this is probably going to get some booze from some people. I don't watch Star Wars, but could you imagine the moment that Darth Vader said, Luke, I am your father. And I can't tell you how much I want to do a voice right there, but I can't. But could you imagine how Luke looked at Darth Vader differently? Because there was a connection. He saw him differently all of a sudden. Well, here in Matthew, I believe the disciples are learning more and more about Jesus because they have seen that he has done miraculous things. He's been a great teacher. He's been a brave leader. He's been a healer and many more things. They've seen him stand up to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They've seen him touch the unclean. He's healed. He's calmed the waves and the wind. They've seen him feed thousands. There's no possible way for it to be done. Now, he didn't need to run into some phone booth and change in order to make this happen. But I think in today's message, there's something special. The disciples are witnessing something that is truly beyond the powers that their imagination can't even comprehend. But yet they're still consumed with the human side of Jesus, thinking of human things that matter. They're not looking beyond the man. So in today's passage, let's experience four things about Jesus that I think sometimes in Scripture we gloss over. Especially when season after season, year after year, you hear the same Scriptures, you start to gloss over them. The first thing is, we don't always see Jesus as supernatural. Sometimes we first learn about Him in stories. And I'll be honest, the first time I even knew anything about this man named Jesus, he was in a storybook that just so happened to be a, a white Bible that so old it zipped around it, if you remember those. And he was just somebody in a story. And that book was kept in the bottom drawer. But the disciples had already seen a glimpse of this divine nature. They were beginning to understand him more and more rather than just seeing him as a man, but to a degree, they still saw him as a man. Verse 4, it says, Then Peter said to Jesus, It's good that we're here. He's in the middle of this moment, this God moment. He's like, Let us do for you. I think so many times we step in the way of what Jesus is doing in somebody else's life. I'm so glad I'm here. Let me jump in and do this. Remember, Jesus had multiple apostles that followed him. But he left them and took three with him. When we do things in life, it's not to be boastful. We take a few with us for accountability. There was a reason they were going to see him transfigured. Transformed. You see, this is where we, we get transformed comes from the Greek word that means metamorphosis. Jesus was radically and supernaturally changed right in front of the disciples' eyes. This alone should have been amazing. But Scripture gives us a description. It says that his face was like the sun. 
even now, I catch myself, I'm going down the road, and all of a sudden the sun will reflect just right. I'm not looking at the sun. It's a reflection. And I sit there and blink because I can't see anything. Could you imagine standing there, and his face was like the sun? I would want to look. Probably burn my eyes out I'd be trying to look so long. They have a glimpse of the God manifestation on Jesus. See, in the Old Testament, if you remember, Moses had the same experience when he went up to Mount Sinai. Moses came back and his face was, was glowing. There was such a shine afterward on him that others couldn't even look at him. The Apostle Paul had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. The glory of Jesus was so bright that Paul fell to the ground and was blinded. The glory of God is on display. I think if we allow the glory of God into our lives, we will become blinded to many human things. They won't matter as much anymore. But Jesus said, don't tell anybody of this. So this was a glimpse. He was still concealing so much on this earth because he hadn't yet come to fulfillment. Revelation 21, 23 says the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God illuminates it. And its lamp is the lamb. So the disciples had a sneak peek of the true glory on Jesus. It was incredible. I'm not really sure that Peter knew what to do in this moment. He's asking about setting up tents. I think sometimes in our lives, when God shows up, it catches us off guard, makes us uncomfortable, and we run to things we know, human things, that give us comfort. The second thing is, we hear God approving of Jesus. In verse 5 through 8, in it's not miraculous. I mean, God had already done this. He had spoken before. But in verse 8 it says, when they looked up, they saw no one but Jesus alone. First of all, we see this, this bright cloud is covering them. Not only was Jesus bright, but this cloud also was because God was with him. The glory of God was literally with him and on him. The Hebrew word for glory actually means dwelling. So God was dwelling there with them. It's the same way that he did with the people of Israel when they escaped Egypt. It's the same way that it was happening here during the transfiguration. The presence of God was magnified. God was dwelling there with them. Think about it. They were literally in the presence of God the Father, God the Son. And God said to them, This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased with. Listen to him. If you remember, God spoke at the baptism of Jesus. He said, This is my Son. There are going to be times in your life where, and you may already be going through this, 
where no matter what you do to live for Christ, no matter what you do to do the right thing and the next right thing and the next right thing, there's going to be somebody come against you. There's going to be somebody that speaks out about you. It's not that it's you they're uncomfortable with. It may be you walking closely with God that they're uncomfortable with. I tell people all the time, you may be the only Jesus somebody sees. So the Jesus in you may make somebody uncomfortable. And in that moment, you become a target. And that's okay. We strive to take the gospel to everybody, and that means walking it out, not just talking about it, not just building tents. So imagine the wonder on Peter and James and John's face when they saw the brilliance of the cloud, when they heard God's voice. They fell to the ground terrified. Well, I mean, I guess so. If we were all sitting here one day and the voice of God shook this building, I'm going to be honest. I know we're on live, but there would be a bladder check. I'm just going to be honest because that's not our normal. It's not our usual. But in that moment, Jesus brings them comfort. He touches them and says, do not be afraid. No matter how many times you may be attacked for doing the next right thing, think about it. Almost instantly afterward, you would have received confirmation of it's okay. You're okay. Keep doing the next right thing. The third thing we see is it talks about Jesus' faith. And this is actually verse 9 through 12 where it said, They came down the mountain and Jesus commanded them, Do not say anything to anybody about this vision, for the Son of Man will be raised from the dead. After all this is over, Jesus tells them, Don't say anything. Why would Jesus give them this instruction if we're supposed to share the gospel? Well, first of all, many people won't believe the story of the three of them. In biblical, in biblical times, you would take someone's accountability, and that way you're, what you say is held as truth. But however, after Jesus rose from the dead, there were still people that didn't believe it. And I'll be honest with you, I have sat in seminary classes with some people looking to be pastors that still, because science says it can't happen, don't believe it. That scares me. It doesn't scare me for them. It scares me for those that they're going to go and teach this to. But Jesus wasn't ready to reveal the full scale of who he was. He had to go through the death, the burial, and the resurrection. So here's the bottom line today. The glory of God and the grace of God was revealed through Jesus... But the disciples still had human priorities. Just like the disciples, we become consumed with human priorities. Our focus starts to pull away from God. It's not our intent. We're not turning from God. But I believe as we go into the Lent season, I believe we're no different than the disciples. I believe we can become consumed with modern day tent building. And other things can become our priorities. So as we head into Ash Wednesday, take time. Evaluate. Where have you become busy? 
Because I've noticed the areas that I have become busy were also the struggle areas. There were about to be breakthrough areas where God's glory was about to be shown to me. Where do we get consumed with being modern day tent raisers? So as we close today, remember that as the disciples witnessed the glory of Jesus on his face, I pray that we witness that also in the same way. With respect to the point that it makes us fall to our knees. I pray that today and all of our tomorrows, we're constantly turning our eyes to Jesus. So here's my question. Do we set out to complete tasks with human eyes and human priorities? Or do we set out to glorify God through everything we do in our own lives and in the lives of others? So that our lives becomes a testifying moment to his glory and what he's done in our lives. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, it is so easy to be consumed with busyness. It is so easy for us to jump in and let me do this, let me do that. And sometimes being still is the most uncomfortable place for us to be. Sometimes we don't know how to be still. We don't know how to just listen. We don't know how to just bask in your glory. God, I pray as we go into Lent, I pray that we don't just pencil you in on our, our calendars and on our schedules. I pray we are diligent every single day, multiple times a day, about getting to a quiet spot, lifting our prayers up to you, lifting our hearts up to you, but listening, being there in your glory. God, whatever it is that that needs to be pruned from our lives. Prune it. That can be scary. But God, let this be a leap of faith that we trust. Whatever you're pruning, you're going to replace. You're going to take the dead out of our life and replace with just fruitful harvest. may not be today. It may be a harvest that's planted and we don't see for 10 years. But God, we trust you. Because you have great plans for all of us. I pray that we start walking in those plans and that trust. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your risen son. Amen.